Hello and welcome to the Bull Mountain Brothers Podcast. What is up and welcome back to another episode of the Bull Mountain Brothers Podcast. How are we doing, guys? Awesome. Doing well. He gets so into that intro. I Who, love me? it. Yeah. That was a good one, wasn't it? That was it? a good one. I felt like I was... I, sometimes I feel like I'm uh, like on a news channel. You know what I'm saying? This is the news. <laughs> yeah. You definitely get into it. Okay. So we're, we're, we've been filming since Chad was here. Right. So we're filming right. right now. And if you can tell from watching, Ramsey and I are looking a little sporty today. And that is because... We are wearing some nice beach shirts in spirit of Sean, who is not with us anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, Sean is on his honeymoon. He got married last weekend, and uh, he won't be here this week. So, in spirit, we're wearing some nice shirts to pretend we were on the beach in Cabo with him. Enjoy your time, Shawnee boy. Is this our first one without Sean? Yes, the yes. first podcast Sean hasn't been on. Uh, I miss him already. Sean, I just want to be the first to say congratulations. Yeah. Josh may not be the first to say that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I am. Also, if you can tell by now listening to it and seeing it, we have our good friend Josh is back on the podcast. What's up, dude? Filling Hello, in everybody. F- filling in for Shawnee Boy. We have a lot of things that we want to talk about in regards to the fact that it's August 9th. 9th. And hunting season is fastly approaching. And Josh, I have some good topics with Josh here, so... Let's get started with what the hell has everyone been up to? First of all, we haven't been on the mic since July, like, 10th? No, it's been sooner than that. Yeah. Whenever we went to Dave's. So. Oh, no, no. You're, so it would have been 4th of July, uh, then that th- next Thursday. No, I think it was like the, was the like 12th or 13th. 20th or something. No. What have you guys been doing? Well, we uh, we recorded Dave's podcast, which was... Phenomenal. It was awesome. And we did it. It was all day ordeal. And it, and it turns into a two-parter. By the time you hear this podcast, the second part of Dave's podcast will have been out. Um, so, yeah, we haven't even been in the studio even since Chad was here. So it's nice to be back um, doing our thing, getting back on the, the grind in here. A lot, How, of, a lot of stuff has happened since then. Yeah, we'll, we'll cut to that after uh, Josh. It's been... This is technically this is only your second time on the podcast because the first time you did it like a double episode. Mm. Um, but since that was like God, April, yeah, May, three, four months ago, what no, you, it was like at least April. Yeah, what, what have you been on, Kelly? Just uh, <clears throat> a little bit of fishing, a little bit of working, a little bit of shooting my bow, getting that thing ready to go. It seems like every time I open my Instagram, there's just a picture of you holding a fish. <laughs> I was like, when does this guy have classic time? Josh move? Yeah. It's like all he does is, yeah. is fish and work. That's I made a conscious yeah. decision that I wanted to like do more of that this year. And I'm like, here it is, August, and I've just watched pictures of Josh catching fish all summer. I know. You talked about it all winter, how excited you were to go fishing. I don't. He's been talking all, all spring and summer about shooting his bow, too, when it's like August. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it's, been, it's happening. It's, well, so, so it's going to be like the... Typical Corey thing. He's just going to be like, no, I've been shooting the heck out of do it. Not still gonna e- have the, do not even insult me with that kind of statement. And it's still going to have the uh, zip tie on the end of the cam, so he can't <laughs> even pull the damn thing back. You've been shooting that, huh? Yep, yep. In my, uh, well, in my yet, I can't, yeti I can't suit, pull that suit. situation because I switched my release and my sight, so I can't just roll into camp like 
with a not sighted insight. Did you do a different style of release? <clears throat> yeah, I went to a three uh, three finger release. You like it? Yeah, I love it. Actually, I was really skeptical at first, um, because it's like I don't know. When did you and I, when did you and I start archery hunting? Like sophomore year of high school. Yeah. So it's been like eight, nine years. We've shot wrist releases the whole time. So I was like, I just wanted like a different feel because it seems like sometimes like I don't like my anchor point. Like I feel like if I don't have my wrist right or something, like I it just didn't feel comfortable. And then I switched to this this three finger and I just literally put it like knuckle to my nose every time. And it feels so much more stable. I've noticed with Riley is he has a hard time keeping a wrist release straight. He always kind of like pulls it out a little bit and then it throws a shot. And with this one, it's definitely. Yeah. Cause I can like dig it into my, like not dig it, but you know what I'm saying? Like get a really good, like find a spot like on your cheek somewhere on your face that you hit every time. I feel the same way. I've been thinking about switching to one of those. Like I feel like those wrist release are like loose almost. Yeah. Or if you miss the, like, do you do the one with the strap or you do the one with the Velcro? No, the strap. Do you feel like if you accidentally don't hit the right hole, do you feel like you have like a whole different. Yeah. Or do you make sure? Because I know some people like will paint the hole. That's what I did on mine. No, I don't do that, but probably a good idea. But that's mainly the reason why I was thinking about switching. It just feels so loose and like different every time you pull it back, which is probably like the worst thing that you could have with your when you're shooting your bow. Right. Big question is, Matt, have you found your bow yet? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's at camp. (laughs) I've I've seen. I know. I know. I could show you unless it's sitting right out the door. Yeah, that's the last place I Um, saw it. But like to be honest with you, like the reason I did a three instead of a four was because I had Polaris points, so and they had a three one on there. I think that I I just I worry about like the way the way they're designed is that if you don't like make sure it's locked every t- like not locked but like you didn't bump it and like set the thing that uh, like it could slip off your D loop, so you have to like make sure. And like the other thing is like you have just this thing now, like with a with a wrist strap. When you're out like hiking and shit, you just leave it on. Like you don't have to worry about it. Like with this, I have to make sure that I don't like leave it somewhere or like drop it or something like that. Cause it's just, it doesn't, I mean, mine has a wrist strap, but I don't want to use it because it like makes it feel weird. But should put Velcro on it and put it on the inside of your limb. So when you're hiking, are you just hiking with it in your pocket or what? Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll leave it like in my, cause my, you should still throw your uh, wrist with wrist one in your pack though yeah no that's a great idea well the shitty thing is, is it changes your your peep no i understand that but it's better than nothing no you're right day. no i will for sure because nate hosey had the thumb one you know the three finger thumb yeah and never did find it really hmm. well they're not cheap either like they're like a hundred bucks that's why i didn't buy the like because i think if i like this one unless it like I'd never want to change. I might go to a four next year because, like, that's even more like grip, even more like hold. I don't know. I just really like the fact that it's like a it's like a muscle for me that like it seems like it's easier to hold, and then the trigger is a lot more like soft. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of like I shoot so much shotgun, like it's you know how it is when you shot trap too. As much rifle as you could shoot during hunting season, you still have like the habit of pulling you know i mean instead of squeezing yeah i have such a bad habit of punching the trigger with rifles so i know i do the same thing with my bow yeah like if it's if i'm shooting and i think about it then i do it right but you know in your hunting situation you're not thinking about well you've been doing this for long enough now like you you know the difference between like shooting at a bull and shooting like target like your mind completely different unless you're like a steel trap like everything's out the window you're like oh bull let me shake a little bit yeah 
I don't. I don't think have you. Did you shake when you've pulled up on bowls before? Oh yeah, really, dude. Every time I've All done it, like I, I get ice in my veins. On. Like that's not the least of my worries is getting like a bowl. What do you call it? Bowl fever at that point. Sure. That'd be my least of my worries. Like my biggest worry would be like I'm making a noise. I think, or like the wind changing, or I someone just, driving up on a ranger. I black out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I've heard that story. Yeah. That's been that's been your uh like kryptonite ever since like we were kids. What? Like with big animals, like you you get like blacked out. I just don't remember after I was like, did I even look through my peep when I took that shot? No. <laughs> Which like, I know I do, but like you're a very successful outdoorsman and like it's just funny to see someone that still like gets so stoked for it that yeah. they just I, yeah. I'm the exact same way though. Like I get so fired up that the next three seconds after I pull the trigger, it's just gone from my memory. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell you every deer I shot. I couldn't tell you where I put the crosshairs on. I guess like your big one would be like, if I had that opportunity, like maybe I would have been like, Oh, it's like, I'd be freaking out about fucking it up. Not freaking out about, my big deer? about seeing it. You know what I'm saying? You're talking about my big yeah. deer. Um, well, I was pretty nervous after I missed. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> but I want to know the science behind that. Like, just totally forgetting everything that's got to be like just an overload of adrenaline or something yeah probably like a serotonin rush or something oh, yeah. every time i come up i'm like do i really want to work <laughs> <laughs> jesus <laughs> yeah i i can't say i'm at that point in my life yet but i get that when you walk up to it on the ground and you're like oh my gosh look at this uh-huh. especially an elk you're just like oh my i think it's just from watching people so many people shoot over my life and watching other people be successful, it's just, I don't know. I feel like the roller coaster of like emotions for hunting is like, this is fun. This like kind of sucked. This is fun. Oh, dear. Oh, elk. Oh, oh my God. The biggest elm I've ever seen. Shoot it. Like you spike, instantly spike up, shoot it, walk up to it. And it's instantly spiked all the way down to zero. Cause you're like, well, now I have like 12 hours of hell. Yeah. <laughs> But it's all part, part of the game. Of part of the game part makes of you, you know, really appreciate what you're doing. I think the more like every animal you shoot, you get more relaxed. Like you're saying, you've seen it so much, you've done it so much. Eventually, it's just like second nature, and you don't like panic. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's. How are you when you drew on that bull? I just knew it had at least had horns that I was okay with. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't like. There has to be a part of you as an outdoorsman still that like you get pumped to see animals. See, see, seeing them at like 200 yards for binoculars will get my blood running. But once I put the rifle up, it's like, I don't know. It's yeah. But like a little bit, like put yourself in the, in the blind archery hunting, like when they're at like 50, 60 yards, it has to be like, it still has to be fun for you. Oh, oh yeah. No, no, it's fun all the way through. It's just funner when you poke him with your arrows to get him to get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's like one step away from the retirement home at this point. I swear to God. I, I got excited. I almost went and bought a bow. That That's is true. Yeah. We're all gonna we're all gonna pre order him in January anyways. You me and Sean. Ramsey's got a brand new one. Are you still yeah. shooting like the original Matthews or what? Bear. It's a bear. <laughs> he shot that with a bow. with a bear. Josh is like, oh, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I don't know. My dad's got one that don't. I mean, it's a name brand that you. <laughs> I think Walmart has a better name brand than the one Dave has. Really, Dave just has it as a. It's like a. Uh, 
just a prop. It's, yeah. it's like a walking cane, I think. <laughs> I saw a cane the other day. Has he was... shot a few animals with it though? Zero. He, I guess the deer was the last mission. animal that he shot. Yeah. He'd rather like shake hands with the animal when he calls it in. But anyways, um, so the fishing's been good. It's been mediocre. I've only been a few times this summer. You go to the top. Uh, you've been down on the horn yeah yep actually was there saturday it's pretty good you done the lower end uh not this year it's phenomenal from mallards down to the house is it really yeah you floated it a little bit yeah i'll have to try jet boat yeah oh yeah but you can float it and then pull out at dave's yeah just gotta jump the diversion dam no our our dock's right above it oh is it yeah Yeah. oh okay right 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 i don't know just don't don't miss the ramp and go over the diversion dam. dam before it's not bad it's just a little sketchy. But no, they were getting like six, seven pounders down there. Trout? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, I've been missing out. I'll have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Josh is like, yeah, it's yeah, a closer drive, too. This weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've been killing it on streamers and on uh, streamers and hoppers. Really? Yeah. There was like 40 or 50 boats Saturday, so I'd like to go somewhere else. Yeah. No, no, that lower end, you'll be by yourself. Heck yeah. I'll have to try it jet boat here and there but but i can show you on onyx i'll give you some spots okay sounds good let's do it some big deep holes yeah yeah have you done any uh like mountain lakes you've been busy though josh has hit josh has hitched up again so yeah he's been busy yeah that's probably why you haven't fished as much maybe a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've spent a lot of time with her she's cool fishing not fishing but fishing yeah right nice having a woman in the same town yeah no that is very nice but yeah no 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 mountain fishing at all this year actually really? usually I was surprised. Do a few. or like do the you know like the yeah the the, stick or whatever you know. yeah the bear tooth trip that actually you can't even get there now because of the flooding yeah the bridges that you have to cross to get there are gone so nice just yeah. a longer walk yeah, <clears throat> just go wade through the water. Well, in the spot we like to fish, since the bridges are gone, the lake's totally different. And the spot we like to fish, the like creek is gone. Really? Like it's not even a creek anymore. That sucks. So, mm. see, I'm really interested. Um, <clears throat> I guess we probably won't know until the spring, but like uh, Rock Creek, mm. like I'm really interested to see how yeah. the fishing. It's probably totally completely different from the last. Do you think it's year? there's still like fishing opportunity in there? Oh yeah. Did you guys go by there when you... Yeah, um, we went to see... We went to check out... Well, Sean's wedding was um, close to where my family has land. So we left a little early to go drive in there. And our land is totally... I mean, it's overgrown, like like six feet Dad ripped mom's license plate off. I heard that. Yeah. No, it wasn't license plate. It was a skid plate for the oil filter. Oh. Like, that covers the oil filter. Um. And the land was fine, but like when you drive by the bridges and stuff, you can just see that like the river was opened up like three, four times as big as it was, and now it's just running through different. Does it look totally different than it did? Oh yeah, like I, I was thinking about you when I went through there because there was always when we would go fish that spot that we always used to fish, you would always walk up a little bit and fish that one hole, and that's like gone. Like that's not even a thing anymore. Yeah, obviously, like. I kind of like it. It's, re- it's like a new river. You yeah. gotta be relearn fun. it. I think we could have a lot of fun next spring, like just mm-hmm. adventuring and like even our like secret spot that's close to there. I wonder what it what it did to that. Yeah. Because you would think that they had to let water out of the lake still. Maybe it wasn't unaffected. 
I've actually fished it. Oh, really? Twice. Has it changed? Since. No, it's the same, but you could tell it was big, and the trout fishing's been terrible. But oh, it's also kind of high, so that, I'm hoping that's what it is. But Well, Sean went to that lake a couple weeks ago and caught, wall- caught walleye on the lake, yeah. and we've been trying to do that for ever, so we kind of know where. Like, if we want to go ice fishing there next year, where to go check for walleye. Yeah, that sounds fun. But Yeah, no, that's cool. What have you been up to, Rams, besides being a groomsman that's that's really it well we did uh, did we talk I about he's not drinking tonight so it must have been a hell of a weekend no i just sat down before i grabbed a beer but do you want one um oh he's got him right yeah here. he wants one here let me get this uh copyright cover we would like to be <laughs> affiliated with coors light if you guys are out there and you'd like to touch base with us i think it's easier than you, awesome. than you think it is because didn't you contact them and they're like just to talk to your like yeah, local distributor just yeah. take, oh, yeah. talk to our buddy's dad that works there. Yeah. Like, hey, what's up? But uh, the only thing I did is... Thanks, man. Thanks. What was that? <laughs> A charger. Oh. Um, We went out and put truck cameras up. Did we talk about putting those up no, on the last one? The last podcast was Dave's. No, we it was the we went the day after we put up cams because uh, we went on our hike. So we did talk about it with Dave, but we didn't talk about... Like two days ago, you and I went. Oh, back out yeah. There. Well, anyway, the reveal of what has happened. Um, went out there, and I thought my camera could show us pictures, but I didn't realize it opens an entirely different folder and it only picks. So the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, these cameras didn't work. We'll say that a little better. You you brought your <laughs> okay okay. You let brought, me start. Your, you brought, I brought your, my camera, your expensive check, mirrorless camera to check photos to swap to put the SD cards in. Right. And I hit the, you know, you can look at the pictures on the camera and I hit the button and it was all the pictures that I've taken with the camera on those same SD cards. So you were freaking out. So like, I, was freaking out. I was like, this didn't take any pictures of anything. And Which, was, what's the first thing going through your head? Through your head. Like, what are you thinking would, at that point? That didn't get any pictures. Like either nothing went through there. Right, yeah, nothing went through, but I knew there was cows on the property, so at the same time, I'm like, I should have about 6,000 pictures Mo- of cows. Moo cows. Moo cows, yeah. But Riley was just like, you know what, let's just swap the cards just in case. So we swapped all the cards and went home and put them in the computer, and sure enough, there's an entirely different folder that the camera, the trail cameras create and puts the photos in that one. That's a different folder that the camera opens up. And... In our one spot, we had a, a one 10-second video of a bull. A decent one. A nice bull. And <clears throat> about four pictures after that, a moo cow came up to it and licked it and moved the entire camera. Yeah. So you so, went from heartbreak, no pictures, to, oh, my gosh, we have pictures. To And and there was the first one I checked. There was only one bull on it. And then I had an up-close of a elk's ass. And I was like, well, there's elk in there. And then I had a timestamp. The bull was in there at like 6.05, and I had a timestamp every morning between 6 and 6.30. So I think they were going through there pretty regularly. <laughs> and then, uh, so then I put the second camera in. Didn't take any pictures. Like, one of the batteries had fallen out, so it didn't, the camera wasn't even on. Didn't take any pictures. It was either that or it was a wrong too which, high quality of an SD card. Which was our best camera last year. Yeah, it was the only camera I had elk on last Cause year. Because we put so, it in the same spot. So now I'm riding this roller coaster of, yeah, there's elk here to, oh, I have no pictures of the spot where I always have elk. So then I put the third SD card in. 
to the place that we like hiked in. This is a new entire place on the same ranch that I've always wanted to put a camera up, but never did. And I put it in and like in the first 20 pictures, there's like four coyotes in one of the pictures. I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Cows, cows, moo cows, moo cows, moo cows, like 400 pictures of cows. <laughs> I think they were like going through like, they must have like a, a weekly schedule where they go through the whole ranch and then like all of a sudden for like 12 hours, there's just an entire herd of cows on this one spot because they'd be gone for days. There'd be no cows in there. What was the funny thing that you got right oh, in front of the camera? There was a cow that was like, almost licking the camera well that and then uh there's oh, a turkey head. there's a turkey like two inches away from the camera just its head <laughs> just looking up at the, head. <laughs> is that the worst you're like oh i got like 500 pictures and you're just like cow 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 yep turkey <laughs> cow yeah so then like three pictures after the turkey here's a cow elk H- hold on hold on can we go to break and then um i'd like to talk about i'd like to turn this before we reveal what you found here a little suspense here we're gonna do some ad reads and then we'll come back, and I'd actually like to talk about, we have two main subjects tonight to talk with Josh about. One is I would like to go more into depth on um, camera strategies and stuff and like go back in history about how we failed for a long time at using cameras and doing them wrong and like the up, like a lot, let's go more in depth than like, because I don't think a lot, I think a lot of people just think that like you just go stick a camera on a tree and hope, but I think there, there's a lot more that goes into it and your success story that you're going to talk about right now, which is something we've dealt with before. Um, might help someone that's interested in putting up cameras and whatnot. And then uh, after that little segment, we'll go into uh, the main subject. So, gotcha. Okay. Um, we're going to go to break and we will be right back. I just wanted to take a moment of your time to talk to you about one of our sponsors, FNH Contracting and Fence, located in Billings, Montana. If you're looking to spruce up your yard or want a little more privacy for them summer backyard barbecues, or maybe you just need part of your fence repaired. Contact our friends at FNH Contracting and Fence by texting 406-661-7484. From front yards to farmyards and even chain link to vinyl, they've got you covered. Now back to the action. All right, welcome back. Ramsey, would you like to uh, indulge? Do I, do I get the- to actually finish the story now? Well, I was, adding, I was adding a little suspense, man, so they'll come back after the break. Yeah, yeah. where was I? Um. Oh, talking about there's this place that we'd always wanted to put a camera, and I'd never done it before just because we had all the other cameras in spots where I liked them, and so we found where there was good water, and cleared a tree off, put the camera up. Finally, I put this third SD card in from that spot got through all the pictures of cows and then like three pictures after we saw the turkeys here's this little just bullwinkle little four by four bull no i don't think that was it i think you oh, got some does you got some does and then like a little two-point muley it's just riley's story sorry i, I just want to tell you the whole story a- anyway yeah you're right it was we got a little two-point muley a few does and then we got like seven or eight cow elk and then we got the little bullwinkle. And then the next, I don't know, 20 pictures were all six-point elk or bigger. There was six different bulls. And I was like hooting and hollering every time I clicked over to the next picture and it was another bull. I'm like, oh, my God, these things are everywhere. 
really uh really just kind of made all the struggle of trying to find a good camera spot worth it i mean you go through last year i had cameras up what the entire season well let's talk about the evolution of cameras for us because you know we started putting up cameras at a spot like a 95 percent mule deer spot um like eight years ago maybe probably 90 percent is this west of the house? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then like antelope and stuff too. And we did it without any knowledge. Like I, I, I'm telling you this because I, I know that there's like a strategy to putting cameras out. Well, unless, now we do it. Unless time. you're super rich and just have like 30 cameras you can throw wherever you want. Right? Yep. Um, But when you have like a limited, like we have six or seven. We have six cameras. Six cameras. Well, Mountain Brothers has one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. and uh so you had to be more strategic you know and when we started this i mean of course we could get more i'd rather spend money on things other than that but i also would like to utilize the ability because back when we started hunting i mean i were cameras could you use cameras at all when we started hunting not during season you could put them up and then you had to take them down before opening day and they were like brand new like not many people were using them yeah so like when we first started it was like not uh It was not a big, huge thing, and then it like kind of sucked, like Josh said, because you had to like go out and take them all down like the weekend before. So you could use them to like see if the animals were in the area. Really, you couldn't use them to see if they're in there when you're hunting. You know? And I think that like recently changed. Like that used to be like, two years like, ago, two, three, yeah, two or three yeah, years. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, last year was last year was the first year we were able to do it. Yeah. Um. So at this other spot, we're just like, let's just put it in a draw <laughs> like let's just put it here and here oh the grass is green right here let's put it here this is where they're gonna want to eat yeah and we also get, turns out the uh the beef cows will go to that same spot yeah and so we went through an entire summer of like one deer picture for every 150 cow pictures and then like coyotes like we get mad amount of coyotes especially on our our spot way south of the house yeah in the field i had seven coyotes in one picture yeah it was crazy and we and this is a spot need to get trapper dave out there yeah yeah well this was a spot where um in the evening during hunting season and josh has been josh has shot a couple deer there actually um hundreds of deer would will fill into this field every night and i'd get i'd get this camera for two weeks at a time i'd get like one deer on it and i'm like I, i could never figure out like what was going on until I started to learn to use my hunting instincts really to put up cameras. Cause I started to take it more seriously because it, it is a really strategic tool. And you, you and uh, our buddy Jacob have kind of been using that on, you know, public mm-hmm. hiking spots for a while now too. Yeah. We have a spot like the elk hunt and most of the credit goes to him. He's the one that's put in the work to put those cameras out. But I was actually talking about that, talking with him about that today. Yeah, no, he he did a good job with that. And but you the, find it as a useful tool. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it's cool to know what you're what's in there. It gets you a little more excited about the potential. And then you know, like, um, and this is a big thing for like your ranch. Um, stuff moves every year. Like you don't hunt elk what in the. Sucks thing. about a trail cam is when you check the damn thing in the morning on your way in, and that big bull's like eight or ten minutes in front of you. And then you don't see him for like three days, and it's like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, you know he's in the area, but you can't find him. Yeah, well, and it's like, like I said, with theirs is like, um, 
Like you, you don't really hunt the same. I mean, you could definitely hunt the same areas ish, and especially like last year when the fire went through, like it ruined like all the like super good elk hunting. It, it well, it, it totally killed us. Yeah, archery wise, anyways, and uh, so like it's really good for out there because if you're using the cameras, you can see what portion of this giant ranch that you need to spend your time on because you could you could realistically go to a spot that we hunted like two years ago and sit there for two weeks and not see a single thing oh absolutely if you go one ridge and everything's there yeah did the fire did it push them all off the place or did it just like scatter them or it was hard to pattern them or know what well we went to zero grass oh it pushed them uh north to literally to the other side of the property like I don't I think it pushed, it pushed them, them south too onto the other ranch. Yeah. What percentage? Do you know like what percentage of your place burnt? Probably about forty-two percent. Oh, so a good chunk. And a hundred percent of like the killer, like like, right like literally the most prime, beautiful archery elk hunt, like yeah. ruddy scrapes, like the best shit, like movies, stuff you see in movies. The golf course out there now, though. Yeah. Oh, it should be really. I was gonna say it should be fun and like. Is it really? Oh, has it gotten overgrown? Like, oh, is it yeah. tall too? And that'll be really good too, because I think even well, though the, well, well, see, they can't put cattle in there for a year now in order to get the money for the from the government for the grass, so they can't graze it. So burn fresh grass, no cattle, and the elk move back in. That should be a fun. And view. they turned water on. Oh, nice. Yeah, we shouldn't. I don't even know if we need to put our spike cam up. <laughs> elk I, are so I just want to put it up just for fun, just to have it. We should elk. just put it up on top. Well, that's why we got to go scout because, I mean, we uh, we might have 10 inches of grass everywhere and two-foot grass, but no elk. don't mean the elk are going to yeah. be there. No, you're right. But that brings me back to, to my point where, like, it's a, it's a very useful tool if you can afford it, like, because they're not cheap. And the way that we really got most of our cameras was a long time ago, Josh showed us that there's an app. Cam- I mean, uh, we're not affiliated, but if you want to. Camel fire um, to get good deals on cameras, and you know when you have six, you have you have to have strategy. And we started to learn about like this is kind of like every hunter should know like water is massive. Anytime you can find water, especially in this portion of Montana where it's dry in August, um, water is almost like a guarantee. Not a guarantee. Nothing's a guarantee because we thought uh, we've had cameras in the past where. Like, we're like, oh, this is going to be killer. Like, this is the only water out here, and you get nothing. But it's all trial and error and, and going out. We don't – and the other mistake we did was when we used to check the one at the other property, we would go, like, every four days. And that was – and th- that was a huge mistake because I think that you would leave too – you would disrupt too much and leave too much scent. Mm-hmm. And now we, we do, like, two or three weeks. We'll let them sit, sit and marinate. It's probably the sweet spot, two to three weeks. And I think we're to the point now where we won't check again until a week before archery. I know. I might go this weekend to check my three just to make sure they're working. Yeah. And adjust that one in case I didn't get it to where. Well, and then another mistake you could make too is like driving into them. Yeah. Like we hike into them now, which is way better, way less chance of. Because if they're coming. for the one. We drive up to it, but there was like 40. Well, it's at a, I mean, that's kind of a, that's a cheater spot because it's at a, it's at a well. I mean, but like, that's a good spot to do it because uh, they're going to come to it. I do that one more or less just to kind of get a grasp of what's out there. Yeah. I don't really try. Well, even on a lot of public land places where, cause like, if you think about, um, some of the places we've even hunted on public land 
in the mountains. Um, the, there's a lot of farmers that still lease pu- uh, public land area. And so there's wells all over public land. So it's not like it's a big, you know, no, no, like not a no, no, but like frowned upon to put a camera on a well. But it's just, I think it's another tool like where it's like you have a spot to put it. It's a good spot. It's different for you guys, eastern part of the state, because it's pretty dry and not a lot of water. So putting it on a well or a watering hole is perfect. It's money. You're yeah. going to see every animal in the area. In like western part of the state, where we're, especially for elk, it's hard to pick water because there's a lot of creeks, little ponds all over the place. And typically, if you pick a little pond, you're going to get a lot, like you said, a lot of cattle. Mm-hmm. I like to look for wallows yeah. for elk. And obviously, summer, late spring, you're not going to get a lot of elk on a wallow. But as the season's getting closer and the bulls are getting ready, you're going to get a lot of, you're going to see most of the bulls in the area. Did you use some of your knowledge from hunting season where you saw them to put any cameras? Because like, I'll say there is a trail that we're using right now. That's like a natural funnel. It's like a rock funnel. And we literally almost killed an elk in this funnel. So we decided to, it's, it's literally just on a game trail. Have you tried, do you guys do anything like that where? It's yeah. like something like you used your knowledge from hunting because th- you could put it on. A, you could there's hundreds of game trails in every, yeah. especially in the mountains like game trails galore. Yeah, you could put on a game trail and never get anything on it. Yep, but or you might get one every. But do you have one where you like consistently through. would see? Because I, I remember like the the spot that I went with you up the, the same spot. Mm-hmm. You would always tell me that like when they would kind of leave the the area after you you bumped them, they would always go down one same trail every single time. Yep, and that the same spot and like you said jacob put these cameras out there's two spots that we pick there's one where we like you said we bump them they go the same route and they go to the same patch of timber to bed they do it every day every day we hunt them they go to the same spot so um one day we were following a bull and trying to get on him and went into that timber following him and it's just like prime as could be trails crossing all over the place and beds everywhere like you can tell they live in there during the day so we just picked a spot where all the trails come came together and put a camera there and then jacob happened upon a wall that was like clearly well used mm-hmm. and put the second one there we literally have two cameras and we i think we have pictures of every elk and bear there's a lot of bears in there too every elk and bear in there so yeah uh, it's it's a tool like i said to talk about this one subject it's a tool that if you can do it utilize it because it's super helpful oh yeah you can spend hours putting 10 cameras out and just guess or you can use your knowledge of the area if you hunted a lot, where the whatever animals hang out, pattern them, and then two cameras will get you every everything you need to see. Yeah, and I, like I said, I remember there was uh, when the, we first got to put cameras out on the place we're on now. There was this pond, like this little tiny pond, and like obviously we didn't know how to like hunt that place when we first came there, and it was just always like the landowner would be like, yeah, there's always deer that hang around here, and this was before we even knew there was like. Uh, elk on the property and we're like we'll put a camera here this would be awesome and we put it on there and of all the cameras like that one had nothing like literally nothing like maybe one doe came through and it's like okay so that's when we started to realize like yeah you need to constantly be moving and and who knows like there's also like the the factor of you have to pull a camera and for two weeks maybe every elk on the property is on that pond you never know but that's why we like to move them around and well obviously Unless you get zero on your next run well, from those, these ones. And, and kind of my thought process is is if I'm still getting elk on that same camera that I had all the bulls on, I'm probably going to put another camera from a different angle in the same spot. Yeah, because then you could start pinpointing what's their access. You know, Where are they, they going to come through 
you know, obviously where I have it set is where they all come to drink from that yeah, area. It's drinking from that water down. So there. that would be where I would sit is above well, and I, that. I think Josh made a good statement <clears throat> about uh, using wallows because that was our theory on um, this one spot where we got all the bowls was it was like a muddy, it wasn't like a, like a pond. It was like, like there's mud, a cow mud, you know, step with water in it. Like you know, you know the classic like wallow yeah. looking areas. Yeah, you can always tell a wallow versus a water hole, and yeah, other animals will use it as water, but typically you're not going to get a bunch of cattle in there, and you're well, mostly just going to get bulls. And the so. best thing about this property is September first, they move all the cows out of that area into a different part of the property, which is like a, a double edged sword about like being a hunter is like understanding agriculture and being respectful to it, and also like wishing that there was never a cow in there because cows do definitely like affect oh, what's in oh there. well yeah for sure i mean if you got cattle around them elk and deer don't want to be in there i mean elk pass through but they're going to try going somewhere where there's you know they'll come in with cattle all the time for water but they won't sit there and feed yeah you know? i saw a raghorn come across the sagebrush flats at his ranch last year um with with a whole herd of elk just walk right through but we have a spot western side of the state that we hunt to that first couple weekends are full of bulls lots of elk in there elk activity talking and stuff and then the third weekend i think is typically when they move the cows in and you won't even see an elk yeah we stopped hunting then because so as far as the public land you're doing josh how many acres do you think you're doing where you guys are scouting and hunting in not much like a thousand fifteen hundred i bet you're five I bet be. you're five to six thousand on that one. That yeah, that one's big, but where the elk live is probably two sections. So what's that? Fourteen hundred acres, yeah. something like that. And then we have another spot that we like <clears> on <throat> a lot that's a section. So do you think it's easier? Like I, like our ranch is so damn big that we used to have a, like a ten thousand acre section that we only could use once in a while. Now it's part of the ranch, but I just as soon hunt that ten thousand acres in the whole ranch. Because you can learn that inside and out. Like our ranch changes every week. You know, you got the cornfields where they're going to go to the corn. You know, their routine, they're going to, I mean, it's candy. But as soon as they cut that corn, I mean, they it changes fast. Figure them out again. Or if yep. they bump yep. the water up on the river, stuff could change. Like it, it's, I, he is definitely, you know. So a smaller place that you can learn where you don't have the option to go bigger it's like we know if they're going to cross through here these are the four points they have to come through i think is a hell of a lot easier than having a big big area and you got to wake up in the morning and decide do i drive 30 miles or do we go out the back door yeah i think there's pros and cons to both because i know a lot of guys hunt big national forests and endless amounts of property to just wander around but I feel like those guys, they're successful, but they get into elk and they're like, they just kind of rush into it or don't take their time because they know, oh, this one didn't work it. I'll go find another one, um, which is cool because you're in elk the whole time typically, yeah. but <clears throat> hunting small spots where it's limited amount of land, you really have to capitalize on those few opportunities and you really pattern the animals. You get to know the animals. You know exactly what they what they do every day, where they go, how they act. So I think it's fun either way, but I, I prefer the smaller property. Like as far as public goes, I've done a lot of private land elk hunting, but if I'm hunting public, I like to find a small spot 
learn a herd and really pattern them and try and get in on them. The, the, the biggest problem was kind of like these guys were getting pissed off at me when we were out there last time turkey hunting. And, or no, we went out with Warren. It was after that. You start walking one can, you're like, God damn, that'd be a good place to put a tent. And then you walk the next one, you're like, well, God dang, this would be a better spot. And you walk the next one. And, and you know what? It, what's crazy is it turns out in the end, like, well, I'll have two things to say here. One is like, I almost had a feeling that after we went there last and checked that camera, that uh, you might as well just sit on the side of the two track, the elk walk right up the the the, the road every day instead of, you know, going to these uh, places you don't know if they're going to be there or not. But I think a strategy that I learned first from you, and this is the ultimate, um, I mean, this is every bow hunt elk bow hunter strategy on the planet. But like the biggest thing about archery elk is when they're rutting you just get in there and find where they're making noise like that's this is all you can do really yeah you have to be adaptable but. you know that's like the you know the first time i'm with you and i was like well i, I think they're going to be here but let's just sit and boom one starts popping off screaming and then every time i've gone with matt it's like i oh, just got to find out where they're screaming and yeah. and go from there mm-hmm. as much strategy as you can put into it and preseason all this well shit. our biggest thing in our place is we got so much corn on the other side so I really don't feel like it's hunting because, you know, they're going to come across in the daylight. You know, they're going to head for the hills. I mean, if you're, if you're going to sit and wait for them to come and you're going to call, call them, but, you know, they got to come up the trail. Yeah. I don't think says I don't feel like you accomplish as much as actually calling one in. Yeah, absolutely. If that makes saying. sense. When you kill a bull that looks like that, you probably feel pretty good stuff. <laughs> well, there's definitely, like, advantages and disadvantages to – that kind of situation but um either way like 90 percent of hunters if they know where they're going to come through every morning they're going to sit right there yeah oh oh, no a hundred percent but you wouldn't make it harder on like if you came into the spot that you have to hike two miles into and you walk get out of the truck and there's a bull screaming in the meadow below you're not going to be mad i'm guarantee it you're gonna be like let's go no, but like the time you came, that bull was talking. He was fired up. We could have easily tried to get. Well, I mean, we did. We could have easily tried to get in close and call him we in. We flubbed that. Yeah. I, I flubbed that one. We all did. That should have been a dead bull. But Rattlesnakes or Rally's kryptonite. <laughs> we've talked about this already. But we've patterned him enough to where like it's like, okay, should I go call him? Or should I know that he's going to take this road trail deal on out of here once he goes to bed? Because I've seen him do it a hundred times. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to go sit where he's going to go because I know it's going to work the best. So. Yeah. I mean, it don't matter on either way. It's still a fair chase. Yeah. I mean, I just, like, in the mornings after I get done picking you up usually and we're hauling butt, that's when my adrenaline starts going is trying to get in front of them and figuring out where they're going to go and calling them off those cows. I think what you're getting at is, like, where you're at, if you really wanted to, you could go put yourself in the position to just wait, let one happen upon you every day. Yes. Where you would rather go into the timber, into the thickest shit, and call them in and do like, it. Like, like the night you and I called those bulls and we had like 14 bulls around us coming in and another five minutes of daylight would have been done. Yeah. that I'll never forget that day. Like that was probably my most ultimate hunting day and we were unsuccessful. Right. But I'll never forget that day. I, I, I remember that more than I remember my elk. Yeah. And then I also, like, even the one that was down in the big canyon, like, uh, I, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, if you wanted to, you could cherry pick all day long. 
right? Yeah. You have the opportunity to, but you appreciate the hunt more than. It's more just than funner camp. because I, I, I like the adventure. I like seeing country. Yeah. You know, and you can see say, see the same country. I've seen that same ranch for 32 years myself, and I learn something new about it every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another cool thing about uh, elk that you hunt constantly, the same bulls. You can know, like, okay, I can call this bull. He's He re- reacts to calls, or no, I know I've tried calling this bull 10 times. He doesn't yeah. listen, or mm-hmm. he just turns. and. Well, and know, that's our biggest problem, like, with the guys coming out archery now that'll be here is you know they're they're 100 percent against the hoochie mama and it's like i know what our elk like around here and your mouth call is not gonna work don't guide the guide yeah well and it's like i was gonna make this point when we were talking about cameras you know ramsey had said that he wants if, if he's getting elk in a particular spot he's gonna put a second camera in to see what their entry you know, like how they're entering the property because I think we have like a weird thing in this side of the state where bulls are very picky on yeah, when they sure want yeah. to call back and forth. So what's a bigger strategy for Ramsey is finding out how they're coming into the property so he could, because elk will come in silent. A lot of time bulls will come in silent. And if you're not calling, you know, you could not even hear him come in. And for him, it's a more of a benefit to figure out how they're coming into the spot to where if, I don't need to call. Yeah. I don't have to. Because like calling is like I've been in very many situations, whether it's, you know, with Matt or even in the even in the mountains. It's it's tough where, to go. Where you are harming yourself more by calling than not calling at all. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a benefit for Ramsey to to figure out, you know, like what's it if he's gonna spend four days in a row and he's not gonna even pick up his call for whatever reason what's his highest percentage chance of sitting in a spot and waiting? Yeah. And that's the cool thing about those cameras. You can pattern those elk and know, like, look at the timestamp. What time are they going there every day? They're usually pretty patternable. And- Unless you drop the ball like me and don't set the timestamps. <laughs> yeah, then, no then you have to do the math on where it's well, default our, set to and be like, okay. This our is, stealth cam has shadow. <laughs> we had a 10 second, 10 second video set up on the stealth cam and consistently the elk were always like six, 620, 630 in the morning every day. But that'll change. I mean, in three weeks, the sun will come up later. Earlier. Yeah, but you know what time of morning, like, all right, it's typically about this light. Yeah, like five light, minutes after yeah. first light. Yeah, so that'll get you excited for opening weekend. Go If you have a blind, go set it up. When, oh, you're yeah. seeing them and- when I told these guys, I said, listen, the only way that you guys are going to kill elk on this property, because like you can't, you, you almost have to have a spike camp and go in early. Well, they can't access any of the the hot spots that we found without driving through without, said hot spots. Yeah. So I said, How you guys, far would you have to like hike to get it? Like a mile at or at least two. a mile. I said, I said, flat land, so it. it's not. And that's early. their plan. Like Sean. Well, and that's our biggest thing. Like, like me and Riley are talking about setting up a. I don't know if you heard that in the episode that we talked about, but setting up a spike camp to where you drive in on Friday and you don't drive period until Sunday when you yeah, leave. That's smart. Yeah. And you know, it's going to be a three and a half mile hike every morning just to get to the one spot, yeah. the farthest spot. Well, it's I, worth it. And I told him, I was like, I don't think you guys are used to this. And and I'm kind of used to it. Cause Josh used to get me up at like one in the morning to go duck hunting. But, uh, um, I said, you guys are gonna have to get in there at like four in the morning or three thirty in the morning and like get on your feet. And get into these spots and just hang out. And if you're sitting a blind or in a man-made or a handmade blind or whatever, 
Like that's tough. That's a totally different type of hunting and it's like mentally challenging. But that's the cool thing about those cameras. If you know their pattern, it makes it so much easier to sit there for days on end because you know at some point like they're coming every four days. So well, the nice thing is is I will have cell service. So I will be able to utilize the Netflix for those long times <laughs> in between waiting for animals. And That's it's all blue. Right there. It's yeah. all blue it's all Bluetooth into my headset that I have for filming. So. You're gonna be watching the office as this bowl's coming in. You're like, oh God, Yeah, oh. it's gonna like actually unplug. You're gonna have like a ESP He's gonna check the camera and it came no. through. It came through while no. he was watching. He's, he's in the middle of Seinfeld and he's like, God damn it, not again. <laughs> got one of those notification cameras that sends you a notification when you have something on camera and you're just watching the office and a bowl is just on there walking away. Like, oh, time yeah. to put the phone oh, away. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's funny. But yeah, I I um elk hunting just gets me jazzed, man. And I think it was it was a nice little pick me up to see some nice bulls. And these guys, and I and I'm glad you're on here because I want you to speak to them because I know you'll speak and I know you will too. Ramsey's like, oh dude, I, I call that bull like that's that I'm gonna I'm not gonna shoot anything. I'm like, dude, you are gonna have maybe four to five chances if you're lucky, if you're super lucky to even pull your your pins up on a bull. You need to take whatever opportunity you get. If you get four to five, that's a hell of a season. Yeah. Like, you can't be picky. Like, if you're going to, if you're, especially with you two that have never shot bulls. It's all right. I have Sean that can shoot first if it's a small bull. <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's like, if, if you, if, there is no passing bulls in, the, in, in the, the biggest thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, in your mind, I don't give a shit if you shoot a cow. If you shoot it with a bow, you're successful. I mean, you. You're doing something nobody else. I mean, you can shoot anything with a goddamn rifle, but everything, in my opinion, with a bow is a prize. And I'm torn on that in your guys' situation because if it makes you happy, shoot it. Like if you get excited, get that adrenaline. Mm -hmm. But then again, you're hunting a piece of private property that you guys hunt exclusively and you know what kind of elk are on that place. If you have the time and know, like, like we were saying, that you can pattern them. That's when it's. it's I'm okay tough to make with. The I'm okay with us two doing it in our situation, but those two, like, I know they're they're gonna have limited chances, and they're gonna be like once a day, maybe, maybe, and I, and I'm like, dude, if you if you have something coming in, and let's say it's a four, like they're gonna be out there once a day. No, I mean like your your chance, like oh yeah, your your it's afternoon is usually gonna be in the morning. Or are you pretty successful morning or afternoon where you're at or both? Usually evenings. Really? Yeah, evenings are usually better. See, and even at our place, it's it's mornings. I mean, if you don't have just something on the ground by ten o'clock, you just you start heading for the house to go have brunch. I mean, and then I think we've caught a lot of bulls where we've had them talk to us in the evenings, but it's always been dark thirty by the time they get close enough to where you can kind of see what it is, but it's too dark to shoot. I don't think we've ever had an opportunity in the evening, have we? Uh, just um, well, back. we got close. The one you were just talking about, where um, but it got dark on us. We it got, got dark on us, and then you didn't pull, pull your pins up, though. No, and I and I got we got winded on the one, but th- there was some little opportunity. I, I think it's a heat thing. I think it's a difference in like in the mountains and stuff. Like it's not ninety degrees by noon. Yeah. Well, what I've noticed hunting elk in the mornings they're headed for their beds they're still talking and rutting and stuff but calling is so hard in the morning because they're trying to get to their bed so you got to get in front of them you're not going to call them back to you typically mm-hmm. unless they're really fired up so you're trying to like cut them off in the evenings they're just starting so they're like you know they're getting more and more fired up and they're coming out so if you can get in front of them it's that would that, that definitely makes that's that correlates to our situation too 
you know. But uh, I guess that's enough elk talk for today. Um, when we come back, uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about while you were here is uh, early season antelope starts next week. And uh, you've had a lot of time and effort into that. And I'd like to just kind of jump into that when we get back and talk a lot about that. So uh, we'll catch you after this ad. Two Leggings Outfitters out of Hardin, Montana is your one-stop shop for the best hunting and fishing adventures Montana has to offer. If you're looking for fishing adventures, big game hunting, bird hunting, and much more, get a hold of Dave or Patty at Two Leggings Outfitters 406-665-2825. Book the adventure of a lifetime today. The next portion, of the, this is the last portion of the podcast, I would say, actually. Um... Early season antelope. Did you deduce that all on your own? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Early season antelope in Montana starts next week. And I thought it was a perfect opportunity to have Josh on. Because Josh, I'd say you're pretty experienced now in in the realm of archery antelope hunting. I'm experienced, not very successful. (laughs) But it's, uh, (laughs) there's very many (laughs) different ways to do it. And you, I feel like. Even I've done them with you. I've tried um, them all, and they're all very difficult. Well, let's let's go back to where we started. And so, like eight years ago, I think you started doing it before I did. And I remember we would go to that public land close to town, and Josh would be like, all right, I saw some antelope on the other side of this giant canyon. We're going to hike all the way across and bear crawl in through the weeds and see if we can get a shot. And uh, that was basically my experience of antelope hunting with and a bow. It almost worked. It did almost work. I will give you that. But um, for the next like five to seven years of, if I ever made it out with you, archery antelope, it was always the most awful experience of my life. Yeah, crawling through cactus, rattlesnakes, and hundred degrees is not like. Yeah, that's not, always the worst. Part. It's definitely type two fun. Well, when I. Cause can you <laughs> do you say that you you can relate to this feeling of like I don't know you're still because you got we're hardcore Cody and Josh are hardcore when it comes to hunting it's hunting from six o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night every day and I would just remember it like two o'clock in the afternoon and you would just like look across the prairie and you would just see like those mirage heat waves and like you could just feel the just intense heat and uh, it just put such a sour taste in my mouth. I'd like to have that ego of hunting all day, but there are so many days, and Cody would attest to this, where it's like two, maybe three, getting like close to prime time. This is typically elk hunting, where we're like, you know what? There's a Taco John's <laughs> half an hour away. Let's go hit that and head home. Yeah. <laughs> we do that a lot. So. Fair point. Yeah. But you, we, you do go hard, though. I mean, like, it's it's on your feet. There, for a long time, I feel like we thought there was only one way to do it, and it was, there's an antelope two miles away. Let's go to it. And, you know, we, I feel like over the years, and I'm sure you without me, got a lot of opportunity doing that. Yeah. But it was also a lot of get close and they'd see you and you just, you look back at the truck two miles away and you're like, well, yeah. On to the next stock. Yeah. I think antelope, archery antelope is more of a, it's a numbers game. Get as many stocks in as you can if you're doing spot and stock. And, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of road hunting, but 
find an antelope that are close to the road. You, that's just where antelope are. It's flat. So it's easy to find them close to the road. There's a lot of them. Find them close to the road in a stockable spot and put as many stocks in as you can because they're just such a tough animal to get close enough to get a shot or opportunity and for them to not be looking at you and not duck your arrow. It, that's like one in 50, I would say. Yeah, I would say if every season if you're doing spot and stock, 40 to 50 failed stocks. And like last year, I got super lucky. My first stock of the year, it was 6.15 in the morning, first light, first buck we saw. I was not thinking I had his <clears throat> slightest chance to put an arrow in him. And I just crawled up, he stood up, I shot him, and he dropped. I mean, it's total luck, but it's a numbers game, definitely. Well, and it's like you, you really hope that because the archery antelope season is also their rut, just like the elk. And um, we've had situations where we've gotten on some ruddy antelope, and you you wish that it would be similar to a deer rut or an elk rut. and and it's sometimes they're dumb, but most of the time they, they still, they see it and they're gone. I have to tell a story about that. So once we were, uh, me and Jacob, buddy Jacob, we're going out, this is over by Bozeman. We're going out duck hunting. So we have a, like a spin wing, you know, a mojo. And I, I threw my bow in cause it's close to like where I like to antelope over antelope hunt over by Bozeman. And we're driving by this field and there's a buck out there, flat field way out in the middle of it. And there was a ditch kind of like off to the side, sort of paralleling where he was headed. So we're like, let's just do a quick stock before we hit the pond. And Jacob grabs the spin wing. We're like, well, maybe, maybe we'll just try something here. And he gets in front of me, flips the spin wing on and holds it above us. And we just start walking at this buck and he like sees it, turns to us and just beelines like oh, no. full sprint, like probably half a mile gets to bow range. I draw and step out. He sees me and bolts, but like, yeah, a rutted up antelope is probably one of the dumbest animals there is, but. Yeah, and that's where, like, I guess. Did you ever flag them? I, I, I've heard of that. I haven't tried it, but I think that's essentially the same yeah. thing. Just, like, something flashy and white. They see that. And, yeah, yeah, white t-shirt just yeah. circling over your head as fast as you can. I've heard it. You'll bring them bucks out of the herd every time. Yeah. Well, it's got to work similar to, like, a Montana decoy. I, I've done that with you guys before, and it, it seemed to work well enough yeah i've seen guys be successful i've actually heard stories of guys having a bail behind from behind the decoy because the antelope like is oh really charging them yeah like chuck their bow and dive out well do you remember like 10 years ago when that one company came out with like that like cap that you would wear that was like an antelope hat be the decoy that's a guy in bozeman i think oh really yeah i I bet that worked i bet i bet there's been more successful antelope kills off of that than uh than any other decoy. Yeah, and they have the best eyesight, so they can clearly see, like, that's not an antelope, but they're just so dumb when they get rutted up. Nah, is it? No. Nah. Do you remember the <laughs> yeah, last experience? You, I'm going to go after it. Ramsey, yeah, do you remember the experience you had with that rutted buck? Uh, Running down the ditch? Yeah, it, it was on the fence line, and we're like, oh, dude, there's a buck. Like, Ramsey, let's go try and get it. And Ramsey would co- he would run along the fence towards it, and it would, like, look at him, and then run 30 because it could see another buck across the other field. So it would run down to get away from Ramsey for 30 yards. Every time Ramsey got within like literally to shooting distance and started to draw, he'd like run down. But he was so pissed off at the, the antelope on wouldn't the other leave. side of the field. He wouldn't leave. Yeah. And for some reason, he wouldn't go through the fence either. Yeah. But Ramsey, I bet you. Two miles. At, yeah. No, I don't know. Two miles. But like a good three quarters of a mile to a mile, you would just chase this thing down this fence line. Um, inside the fence, and it just wouldn't do anything. I'm so mad. Could you imagine if, work and if you were like, like on the other side of him, though? Like, that's oh, just I how I feel like antelope hunting is every time is every single time you get in the bow range, 
like something happens. Oh, every time. I don't know if I've ever drawn in an animal <coughs> that didn't see, hear, or just look at you. Like they might be facing the complete opposite way, have no idea you're there. And then you go to like be at full draw and they're always looking at you. So I, I do have every a time. story that is exactly what you're saying you've never had happen. So I went out oh, okay. <laughs> with with my ex, right, and dad. And I saw these antelope. We, we came down the hill in the pickup, and you could see them out in the middle of this field. And I'm like, well, the road goes probably three-quarters of a mile on the other side of them. So we drove over there, and I got out, and I walked to where I thought they were. And I get to the top of the hill, and I look over, and they're like 200 yards away. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. So I literally belly crawled all the way down to these antelope. And I get within like 47 yards is I think what I ranged at. And I'm like, God, that's wheelhouse. Like this thing's dead. And meanwhile, my ex had gone the other direction for some reason. And I literally am like, I drew kind of down here and I was just going to pick my bow up and be right there. And right as I bring my bow up over the top of the sagebrush, I see this thing just deadlock like I, to my right or to my left a little bit and I look over there and I can see her standing at the top of the hill and it was just gone. And I was like, this thing had no idea that I was here the entire time, Yeah, which is kind of a feat for me because I'm not really a small dude. <laughs> well, I, I would say that that also goes back into what we were just saying. Like every single time you make a stock, something happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I just, The only antelope story I have is with Mike Lincoln. We were at the ranch a little too long. And you know when you came out the old way? Yeah. And you came out of the the other ranch and you hit that little state section. Nice antelope, probably nothing huge, maybe a 14, 15 incher. But I get out of the truck and I go down the ditch and I zoom, get my rifle up and I'm just zooming in on it. I go to pull the trigger and he goes like that and just pushes me. I miss this thing by like 10 feet. I'm like, what the hell? He's like, we ain't packing that out today. I told you I have to get home. <laughs> like <laughs> the last day of antelope season. He lets me draw on it and then pushes me right as I'm pushing, pulling the trigger. And he's like, we're not packing that thing. I got to get home. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's wild. Yeah. And uh, what was I going to say? I messed up. He's going to mess with his mic. I, I know. I, it made me squeak and then I lost my train of thought here. Uh, so that kind of led you to, well, I don't know. We have some, I, I'd say we have more to talk about on the, on the realms of, uh, <laughs> hiking top. hiking across thank you so so the one that hurt i'll also say we're not here to downplay and talk shit about archery antelope it is also an amazing like really i i think you love it the most because you love eating antelope in archery season like it's like one of your favorite meats right yeah between that and bear i love antelope and everyone i tell antelope is my favorite they look at me like i'm insane like that look that matt's giving you right yeah matt loves no, antelope. I, I love antelope. right yeah you you treat it right it's good the best antelope you only can get the very best antelope you can ever shoot has to be shot inside of a game ranch because july antelope is the best antelope you're ever going to eat i believe that on some green fields all summer yeah. it, my brother said this and i think it's true it's gonna be people for antelope and this is typically a rifle you know you go out with your buddies you got three or four antelope tags and they're not hard to find they're not hard to kill during rifle everyone shoots their antelope they drive out grab it chuck it in the truck maybe gut it which yeah you should do that and then they hunt the next one and they get three or four and they spend all day outside with these antelope in the bed of their truck with their hides still on them 
and it's October, so it's 70 degrees or whatever. And then they take them to the butcher and sitting there all day in the back of the truck with a hide on it. That meat is the very first like thing that. we do is we take, take them right to the meat pole and yeah. yank that. If you hide. get the hide off right away, they yeah. are amazing. And the thing is, is they're so light. I mean, you can pick them up with one hand. I mean, you shoot a big goat. You, I mean, what are you looking at? 70 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. You can throw them. Yeah. Like you said over you your know. back and, and so, I mean, to throw a rope up in a tree real quick, just to get the hide off mm-hmm. makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah, that, and then you that, get that and the way you cook it. I mean, antelope sausage is probably the best sausage you could ever eat on the planet in the back straps. And I've told you guys that from day one. Yeah, we've been pretty much strictly jerky, <laughs> jerky antelope for years. The next now. antelope you shoot, get the hide off immediately, get the tenderloins in the back. Well, I'll shoot, I'll shoot one next week and we can do it. Yeah. Let me just throw them right in the cooler. Then that, eat, that's for, eat it right take, when we get take home. Take a quick picture, get the hide off and get it in the cooler. Oh, man, there's nothing better. It's so good. Yeah. Well, and um, so like, yeah, so we're not downplaying it because we do like, it's definitely like one of those things well, I've that I've said it on here before. Antelope hunting is my favorite. Yeah. Hunting yeah. Um, but I think you should know about the, the three things that make it a challenge and that'll be, I'll tell it with the story here. <laughs> you and I and Cody went hunting on a huge piece of BMA like three or four years ago mm-hmm. and we spent a day hunting there and then we spent a day hunting at the the private place by my house and i want i want to say that between the three of us we had six rattlesnake encounters or maybe less than that but but close enough to that um that's the one thing that you really have to focus on when you're not when elk hunting you not as much uh and deer hunting but that's one thing that kind of kind of makes or breaks if you enjoy running into that every time and then the other thing would be the heat, which is, which is when you're hunting, it's it's a it's a hard thing to to overcome, really, because um, you're sweating more, um, you're getting dehydrated quicker. There's a lot of things you have to put into play there. Um, and then lastly, it would be with a bow to get close to an antelope all day long is is a, is a challenge in itself. I think it's the hardest bow hunting there is. It, there might be something out there that's harder to hunt, but I'd like to try it if there is, because man, antelope is tough. So, what strategy did you and Cody figure out a couple of years ago that really has helped helped make more opportunities and make it so you're not getting sixty stocks a day that are tough and unsuccessful? Yeah. So, as far as spot and stock, I feel like all the spots I used to hunt were so flat, and that's just not ideal. So, we picked us area which we hunted this is the spot you're talking about three or four years ago it's got a little breakiness to it and there's actually some good spot and stock but then during that trip you remember we stocked that buck that went by some water mm-hmm. and there was like two dozen antelope hanging out around it so me and cody went back last year i don't think you got the tag i think you had the right you had a rifle tag last year and i think we did like two stocks and we we're already like man this is just like every year like he is so hard and like maybe i brought my blind i bought one and threw it in the truck it's like maybe we could try that water where me and Riley went, and so we drove to it and drive up to it, or drove up, parked, and hiked over to it. And there's a massive buck with a bunch of does <laughs> on it, and they blow out of there. So we're like, well, it's worth a shot. So we hiked down, threw the blind up, and what I've always heard from people that do it a lot is like set the blind out, and let them get used to it. And we didn't do that; we didn't have time, so we set it up. And I'm like, this isn't going to work. They're going to see that and want nothing to do with it. Set it up, and within like ten minutes, we have a buck come in. Doesn't even look at the blind at all. Walks up and 
I don't think Cody would appreciate it, but he slung an arrow and missed. And <laughs> another buck came in and he slung an arrow and missed. And <laughs> antelope are just tough. They, they're they good shots. They just duck the arrow. That was like his first year of yeah. archery hunting, though, wasn't it? I that was like was, two yeah. years, three yeah, years ago. just got a bow and like just started hunting. So he's pretty green. And so anyways, we're like, wow, that was awesome. So we camped and came back in the next morning and it was my turn. I sat. They kept coming to the same spot. So there's a certain seat where you could shoot from in the blind. So it was my turn. So I sat there and, um, antelope season is pretty short archery. It's like two weeks before big game starts and I was just too busy. So that was like my last day to hunt was that first weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, I'm shooting the first antelope that comes in, whether it's a doe, a small buck, I don't care. I told Cody that. And as I say that I look up on the horizon as the sun's coming up and there's this like smaller than his ears buck coming over the hill. And I'm like, well, I'm shooting him and. He walks down and he started drinking at like 80 yards and I have an 80 pin and I shoot enough for, I was like, I think I can make that shot. And I was sitting there contemplating it and I was like, it's just too far. I don't think I want to shoot. And as I'm like thinking about it, he picks his head up, like comes around the water and comes to like 70, tries to get in. It's like too muddy. Doesn't like it. Walks to 60. Nope. Doesn't like it. Walks to 50. And then he walks to like 45 and starts drinking. Cody ranges it and I let the arrow fly and made a good shot and he tipped over and um ever since then it's like okay i like this blind hunting mm-hmm. <laughs> it's and like i was saying earlier it's totally a mental game it's so hard to sit there all day yeah what's it like sitting in the blind at 90 degrees oh my gosh and, and this that year was like 105 oh god it's so brutal between mentally just sitting there all day and not moving and it being that hot it's not i don't like sitting like blind hunting isn't fun <clears throat> you just see R- riley over there with his generator and the portable you see? <laughs> yeah. nothing comes in hey they make that thing that gets advertised on tv now where you put like water in it and it's a little square and a little air conditioner so i bought one of those little fan that squirts water okay but i used it last year and it makes so much noise like oh right. i was using it, i was like dude nothing's gonna come in this is so loud but, right yeah but no i was like midday that that year um like crawling in the ground like digging the grass apart like trying to make a hole to get to the cold mud and like curl up in it oh god just dripping in sweat so it's it's miserable so not ideal but man mm. we got to get the success, job. success. Yeah, rifle yeah, that was my first antelope <laughs> and i've been hunting i started bow hunting antelope when i was like 14 or 15 so 10 11 years until yeah. well, maybe not that long right at, like almost at like 10 years like next yeah. year would be 10 years i think yeah so it's probably like seven or eight years i guess before i finally killed one so man it felt so good to watch that thing tip over oh i'm sure too and just yeah. to tip over i'm sure oh yeah it, it worked out. it was funny i you know how those blinds have like the slide things you can slide up there's like a net mm-hmm. we slid that down but not enough and my arrow actually went through it oh wow so like three layers of mesh and i don't know like, I was always curious, like, can you shoot through those? No. You know, they talk about how you could, and I never I've understood. I've seen people do it, and I was like, I don't know if I'd want to do that. But after my arrow went through three layers of it and still hit where I was aiming, I, yeah, that's I impressive. Fine, so. I've been trying to get, well, I just, the, trying to move funds around to afford it. But I, I really, have you seen those uh, 360 degree completely see-through ones? Yeah. Those I want sweet. one so bad. Are they expensive? Um, See, I'm trying to figure out. Amazon has one for $110, but it's 270 degrees, which is still cool. Yeah. Um, but the main brand is Rhino and they're like 160 or 170 bucks. And it's just like, man, I just, I'd have to use it a lot to use it, but would it be sick if, if you had the, one? The other blinds are about that, aren't they? I think it's about the same price as a normal blind. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. 
I, I'd be curious to see if it like actually looks like it does. They look videos. awesome, dude. They look yeah. like it'd be really eerie feeling to like like they can for <laughs> sure see me, right? Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Josh and I have like a little bit of experience of blind hunting. We did that uh <laughs> late season urban hunt what that one joke year. That was. <laughs> and uh yeah, we'd be in the blind, like just trying to hunt deer, and there'd be like a dude walk their dog like 10 yards from they just walk by and we're like well this is this is awful this doesn't even <laughs> see you yeah. yeah that was an interesting experience we'll talk about that another time but uh um so yeah that's cool i'm that's a that's a good tactic and i think that's one that's really going to work well for our spot by where i live because there's not much water and what water there is i know they have to come to it frequent you know yeah and it's cool too antelope it's not like a big enough area or tough to like hunt water and for a few hours if you get tired go spot and stalk i mean mm-hmm. like that's why you have it's full of antelope so you yeah. can do half and half and split it up to get bored and be messing up my antelope before rifle before rifle no yeah. i i really think that there's one Just spot that i want to put the, the bottom that i want to put the blind and uh sit up top i want to put it by the windmill i think that they're in there on them cattails um in that low water i think they come in through there I've seen them even during rifle. They come through there. The biggest antelope I've ever seen out there was standing right next to the windmill. Yeah, but rifle season, most of the the big antelope it seems like are down on the go. Go throw one of your cameras out there this week, and we'll. I know we've been we've week. been to well we've been talking about that too because there's there's some other reasons we'll tell you later that we'd like to put cameras out there for, but off the air, off the air. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a secret BMB uh, strategy off air. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, is there anything else you guys want to add to uh, early season antelope? Too hot for me. I'll stick. You're not. You're not going to do it ever again, huh? <sighs> it's just. It's been a while. It's been since uh, you're probably in your teens. No, I guess you're probably. It's probably early 20 20. Or twenty-one. If it's hot, if you like being hot and miserable, it's for you. <laughs> that is a job. Who knows? I'm, we might get a I'm four for four on drawing the rifle tag. Well, you so. and I went out one time. Remember when we got special permission for that property right next to where. Uh, the pond is, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like one of those overcast days, like it was Saturday, where it just was all of a sudden randomly sixty degrees and like cloudy, foggy, rainy, mm-hmm. and, and everywhere. We almost we almost sealed the deal that day. We snuck up on this fence line that was full of tumbleweeds, so they couldn't see it through, <laughs> and we just we somehow messed it up. But we we did that that one time, it almost worked out. Well, I want to see Ramsey in the pond with a little snorkel and just reach up and. <laughs> I would not go in that pond if my life depended on it. I've swam it before. You're talking uh, about where you duck hunt? Yeah. Yes. I've swam in that before, yeah. <laughs> the thing will swallow you up. Seth was there, and uh, I we shot a duck, and it landed out in the middle. There was no wind or anything, and I had to swim out to get it. it was Seth, most Seth probably had PTSD. We hunted with him on that pond. Don't you have a picture of him? Yeah, and he shot a goose, and it landed out in some deep stuff. And my brother's like, man, you got to strip down your skivvies and get it. You got to swim. Joking. We're all like laughing. We look, we hear a splash and we look and he's just like shoulder, like just. Your brothers didn't have a dog then? No. Not no. Really. And we'd retrieved everything but this goose. It was like just too far out. You there. was some Cody shot that. No, he wasn't. It was pouring rain. Cody shot that teal and he had to swim out in that oh, pond. Oh, I know you get it. Those little like crap ponds. Yes. Yeah. Oh, those things are deep in the You're middle. not, you're not a public land duck hunter if you haven't swam in yeah. a shit pond more than one time i went over my head that one day oh yeah i thought josh was gonna die that one time that spot's just dangerous man we yeah. should stop going there yeah <laughs> we did 
We did stop going there. Yeah. <laughs> that um, and you have to wake up at 3.30 in the morning. You had something you were going to put in you wanted to talk about? I was just going to talk about last antelope season. Do I have time? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, we have, uh, I think, like eight minutes. You have four minutes. Yeah. So yeah. me and Cody were out there. No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so me and Cody went back to that same area that last year just confidence can be like cocky like oh dude we're gonna kill two antelope in a day and head home and uh assuming we're gonna hunt that water again drive up hike over to it bone dry oh no no water no antelope within miles we're like oh man what are we gonna do and we we actually went a day early and scouted just to put up the blind spent the day scouting didn't see much for antelope maybe a handful and actually ended up finding more water and there was like one group of antelope within a mile of it so we're like well i guess we'll set up on that so next morning get up super early hike out there with the blind and this is public land get to the pond and we look we're like what is that and i put I put the binoculars up and it's a blind and there's like a hand waving at us we're like oh, oh no me? only water we could find so it was like a mile hike so we hiked back to the truck driving out there and granted we didn't see barely anything scouting so we're like driving like should we just go home like sad as can be it's still dark just getting light hit a piece of public happened to be public and there's a buck just feeding out in the field so like oh might as well try it it's a flat field it's like there's no chance cody pulls over he doesn't want to go after it's so like i'm gonna, i'll go try it and sneak up and there was like one of those little wind fences like wind block oh yeah fences. yeah Crawled up to that, Drew stood, or ranged it, Drew stood up. He stands there looking at me. I shoot him, he drops, and I'm like, Cody, I got him. <laughs> He's like, what? That's awesome. So he gets that one. That's one of your, like, 5,000 stocks that exactly. mess up. So I had no confidence at all. First stock of the season, like, there's no chance. Get him. And then spent the rest of the weekend spotting stock and got a couple good stocks, didn't get one. And then next day, Cody puts the stock on a buck, shoots it. So hunting water is fun but it's not the only way to do it and yeah. I, I don't know if it was just our confidence or like okay we've killed these before we can do it and now we're we killed our bucks spot and stock but um yeah that really shows you how uh how dry last year was for that thing to have been dry yeah. and ramsey and i were out when we were checking cameras last weekend um we've always been wanting to put cameras on this so like two years ago there was this pond that we found that's like this little oasis in the timber and it's really awesome. We're like, there has to be stuff on this thing. And kind of a similar situation. We go in there, rifle season last year, bone dry. Yep. We're excited to find out that when we went back there this weekend, there's a lot of water in it. We've never seen that. So Almost four feet deep. Really? So, yeah, we're really like, we thought that was really cool. And we'll see. I, we didn't have a camera with us. We were going to put one on there. But um, so who knows? Maybe your antelope, your spot might have water in it again. Fingers crossed I'm going out Saturday to see if there is. That's like my, it's a scouting day. Yeah quote-unquote but it's literally just go see if there's water, <laughs> see if there's water if there's in the water, pond i'm gonna turn around and go home you going by yourself or oh with shane cody's brother oh cool cool yeah. is, is cody gonna make it down to go hunt with you yep he's planning not next week but the following to swing oh nice for a couple days nice and nice. you have the tag as well so i do have the joints. tag we will i i have big ambitions of getting on out. each side of the water <laughs> just shooting across I do yeah <laughs> <laughs> if we don't kill antelope it's a good time to go hang out with the boys and drink yeah. some beers which it, you know it's hard and or how's the saying go? Short and in between. What am I trying to say here? I don't know. Three inches. <laughs> Basically, you don't. We don't get to do much hunts with the boys anymore. Few yeah. and far between. Few and far between. There Holy you. cow! Yeah, that was wow. That was a lot. Holy moly! <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, hopefully we got some cool information on trail cams and archery hunting. I mean, we're not saying we're professionals, but this is what works has worked for us. And, um, there's been success on both ends of things. And, uh, so hopefully maybe a little bit of our stories can help you guys out. Um, Josh, thanks for coming on. Always great to have you on. Thanks for having me again. It's fun. Yeah. It's kind of fun to do this, isn't it? Take, take, uh, care of Sean's throne over there for him while he's gone. Yeah. Having you on is few and you're far welcome, between. Congra- yeah. Congratulations. You just tell Sean that, you know, you're taking over next time he can. Yeah. When you get gonna, back from Cabo, little, we got to talk. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just kind of have to sit on the couch now. Uh, everything, everything to add? Before no, sir. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll be back next week. We have a special guest we're excited about. Sean will be back. Um, well, maybe we'll have some story. By the time this podcast comes out, antelope season will have started so maybe we'll have some stories maybe some positive things um always make sure to check out the merchandise at bullmountainbrothers.com we still have shirts available still have some of the hats still left from the turkey hunt raffle um merch drop and uh yeah just stay tuned and check out our socials we have a lot of cool stuff going on ramsey had some really awesome elk videos that have done pretty well on our social lately so uh check those out and we will catch you on the next one Later. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bull Mountain Brothers. Hey, if you're looking for more Bull Mountain Brothers, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at bull underscore mountain underscore brothers and Facebook and YouTube at Bull Mountain Brothers. Also, don't forget to check out our B&B store at bullmountainbrothers.com where you can find some super sweet deals on some seasonal merchandise and outdoor gear. Bull Mountain Brothers.